Welcome. This is All the Fuck In, a podcast from two entrepreneurs about showing up for social justice in your work. This isn't your typical capitalist-focused entrepreneurial business podcast. There are already plenty of those. We're here because we've been craving voices rooted in activism, justice, and integrity with those values. These are conversations about all things business and entrepreneurship, but from a radical perspective that says we don't have to choose between social justice values and being successful in our work. This won't be a place where we claim to have all the answers. Our intention is to offer guidance and support while also encouraging our listeners to discover and live into more questions. We believe these conversations require ongoing practice and a consistent dedication to unlearning. If you're ready to go all the fuck in on what matters most while creating an abundant life, you're in the right place. And a quick note on our content, we believe self-care is radical and non-negotiable in the work of both justice and entrepreneurship. So some of these conversations include mention of trauma, both from a systemic and often racialized perspective and in relationship to experiences like sexual violence. We hope you do what you need to take care of yourself while listening, even if that means pausing and returning to an episode at another time or skipping it altogether. Hi friends, Lauren here. We are so excited to introduce you to our guest today, Dr. Kate Thomas. Kate is a highly trained psychic, mentor, and teacher with a doctoral degree in philosophical theology from the University of Oxford. Above all, she is a spiritual empowerment mentor for women and non-binary people, supporting them in seriously upgrading the quality of their lives, all from an anti-oppression lens. I've personally been a big fan of Kate's work ever since hearing her on another podcast a couple years ago, and between the private readings I've done with her and now as a mentee in her Spiritual Life Upgrade community, I can tell you that Kate knows what the fuck she's talking about when it comes to personal power and liberation. There were several times while we recorded this interview where Tristan and I were just nodding and basically having our minds blown, especially around money and liberation. We can't wait for you to hear the episode and definitely please share with us what you're taking away. Enjoy. Um, Well, welcome to everyone who's listening in. Um, This is All the Fuck In. I'm Lauren. I use she and her pronouns and I'm here with Tristan and our guest today, Dr. Kate Thomas. I am so excited because I feel like I've referred to Kate's work in pretty much every episode that we've had so far. Um, Tristan's laughing because they know I'm telling the truth. Um, And so Kate, welcome. And I guess I would love if you wouldn't mind sharing your name, which I already said, um, your pronouns. Um, And then Tristan and I usually invite our guests to kind of socially locate themselves. So any identities that you carry that you would want to share with folks. Um, And then any, you know, of your astrological placements too, that feel important to share. Wow, thank you so much. First, it's such an honor to be here. I feel very excited. And yeah, Um, so I'm Dr. Kate Thomas. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I'm thinking about my astrological placements now. I'm thinking, I don't fucking know. I should know. This is like primary 
I, I do know. Uh, my my amazing friend and colleague Haley Smith, who's an incredible astrologer, by the way, will be horrified if she heard me say that. But um, I have Sun in Taurus. I guess I was going to say obviously, but I mean you can't see, but like, you're covered in gold and jewels. It's very awesome. Um, <laughs> I've got Moon in Pisces, which explains a lot of my intuition um and i can't remember the other things i feel like i should know them i can pull out my chart it's like i, I although i don't you always find that people find their own astrology so much more interesting than anyone else finds their astrology like i'm like i don't you know i, I don't know so yes yeah, sorry locating myself socially um i spent a long time describing myself as a witch um Technically, that's true, although over the last, I guess, five years, I think that term has um, been, has changed its meaning quite a lot. And I think a lot of people self-describe as witches that I wouldn't consider. For me, a witch is somebody that's very politically active and that mm -hmm. uses magical and energy practices to assist the liberation of others more oppressed than them and I think a lot of the um you know people that I I, I don't want to sound like a boomer be like Instagram witches but there is there is I think a, a sort of fashionable um which is in many ways great element to self-describing as a witch which I find like I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm too old to, to have appreciated that because my entire life, I feel like I've just been hunted for being a witch. But I would describe myself as a, a queer witch um, whose work is focused on uh, the liberative, um, I suppose, the support of liberation of other people, particularly those that are not cis white men. I'm 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 snapping and dancing in my, in my being and body listening to you. I just love that description so much and distinguishing yourself too from um, the kind of trendy, trendy urban outfitters here in the states is the, right. is the reference right. point for me. The urban outfitters, which oh my goodness, <laughs> no well, like, well, oh. like I have to start somewhere. <laughs> I know this is the problem. Like I think this is why I always I always feel feel a little anxious about you know do I. Uh, I don't want to shit on, on 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 people that are younger than me. I don't want to shit on people that are coming to spirituality for the first time. I think it's more just there is there is more to it. I think there's a heavy responsibility that comes with taking on that that name. And I was practicing for many years without without feeling confident enough to describe myself as such. And I think there's something to that really. Yeah. I relate to that so much. Like I've only very recently claimed that word to describe myself and I'm still like, Ooh, am I allowed to do this? <laughs> Just with the family I grew up in and stuff. And it, what you're saying also reminds me of a lot of the conversation happening in yoga right now too, that yoga, I mean, Tristan and I both work with a woman named Michelle Cassandra Johnson, one of our teachers and her whole philosophy is yoga is not just about liberation of you as an individual. It's the whole point is that it's for everybody. So I, I never thought about the term witch and witchcraft in that way, but the way you just said that is like lighting up a lot. Yeah. yeah I course, think it makes so much sense. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, I think the history of witchcraft is really interesting as well. Like, you know, it's only, I mean, really the last two, 300 years that witches were associated with, um, well, the devil, evil, you know, all of that good Christian stuff. Um, and, but yet there has always been in every single 
culture, of course, those on the outside of general everyday, the everyday community, those that were just on the outside of it, who had access a sort of, one could say like a privileged access to spiritual practices, energy work, spirit work, um, that people would sort of go to only when they really needed help. Um, and I think instrumental in the, in the role of the witch is specifically helping those who are outside of usual, outside of having access to the usual sources of power. And so I think a lot of true witchcraft is actually around justice work. And I, and I think, you know, we're seeing in America, of course, this idea of like the, the, the system of justice it's never been a system of justice for most people. It's not a system of justice in this country and like no country that is under capitalism. Is there a system of justice that is actually truly, you know, worthy of that of that term? And so what we see is historically and still to this day, the people who, you know, don't that those systems of justice don't work for having to get help externally. And that's the role of the witch, I think. So I don't think it's just, you know, I think it's often also just understood as witchcraft is connected to healing, which it is, but it's not just the healing of the material physical body. You know, I, I mean, part of what it is to be a witch often includes just sort of accidentally, I suppose, um, knowledge of, you know, how to, how to heal the human body, but True, the true healing, I think, is actually about being an instrument of justice for those for whom the structures of power are not set up to have justice. So I, so I actually think, you know, like, if we're going to call ourselves witches, which we, we should, I want people to be embracing this term, it, it, it feels like it's really important that the healing that is associated with it is, you know, a, 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 a wider cultural healing as well as individual case by case like you know enacting justice like I'll heck some motherfucker you know I think it's <laughs> I think that I am an instrument of justice just as you are you know most people just don't want to take that responsibility to it's much easier isn't it to just be like oh well you know karma will get them or god will get them I'm gonna get them for everyone listening, this is why we wanted to have Kate on. <laughs> like, this is so. I'm going to hex a motherfucker is the quote that we're going to put on the, on the page. <laughs> We've got our poll quote. And so Kate, like I know um, about your story because I obsessively, like once I found your work, listened to you on pretty much every podcast I could find. And now I'm in your, I, I don't know if you called the spiritual life upgrade a mastermind but like a, a mentorship, a, I guess. Mentorship. Yeah. Um, so I know a lot about you, but for those who don't, would you be up for sharing just how you became who you are now? Like how you came into doing this work? Cause I know it wasn't linear, which is a no. theme. <laughs> yeah. nothing, nothing is linear. Um, thank you. Y yeah. Um, so I suppose the, the, the proceed version of it is I, I grew up in a, in a pretty dysfunctional family, as most people do, I think is important to say. Like, I don't think this makes me particularly unique. Um, maybe mine was particularly bad, but, but e e either way, um, from, with very strong opinions, both parents came from very strong religious backgrounds and rejected them vehemently. 
And so anything to do with religion or spiritual practice or, and they, they were basically not very well thought out materialists, right? So, uh, you know, the, everything had a physical cause and it was, you know, whatever you feel or experience is ultimately able to be traced back to a physical process that's happening in your physical body. Um, whereas I, you know, was born immediately, like my earliest memories of like seeing other beings and communicating with them. I, one of my earliest communications was with my stillborn sister who, you know, was born before me. I had all sorts of, you know, very disconcerting experiences, probably for my, well, almost certainly for my parents, but they didn't respond very well to them. Let's just say, you know, they were not, they were not, it wasn't, it wasn't great. So pretty early on, I realized that I, it wasn't safe to be well, communicating or expressing or talking about what I was seeing, but I also couldn't work out what was safe and what was not because, you know, it's a bit like if you see a certain color, but no one, no one else sees that color. How do you know that you're, that that's the color that they don't see um, until you point it out? But if you know you can't point it out, you're a bit fucked. So most of my childhood was really, um, you know, I think now managing way too much input um, in information I had access to and no way to control it. Um, I also had a terrible ADHD. I mean, I would have been an absolute nightmare child. Like I have to say, as awful as my parents were, I would never want to parent me. Um, so there was a, a lot of stuff going on that was never properly diagnosed, had collection of physical disabilities that were not addressed or helped um nobody believed me when I said that I was in you know, excruciating pain so I I just I think my childhood was pretty grim honestly you know just sort of suffered a lot and had to work out a way to make meaning from that suffering I suppose but I was too young to understand that that's what ha had to happen so I would create stories about about whatever the suffering was whether it was I mean a lot of physical pain I had um I have a, a degenerative disc disease, which meant even when I was born, the bottom two vertebrae in my back were sort of crumbled. And so I was in pain. I am in pain most days, but as a child, it was like very bad. So I would create, um, you know, I'd have conversations with my, my spirit guides. I would describe them as now other, other beings that weren't, you know, physical. And they would tell me stories about what this, you know, Made, made up things really distracted me um and so yeah I didn't realize that that was as insane a <laughs> childhood as it is it I now realize it sounds you know as an adult but it you know I sort of survived that pretty well um and then it wasn't really until I was about 15 16 that that I had access to because I mean I'm pretty be 40 this year which is wild to me that I managed this to get this this far along but you know back when I was 14 15 like this was pre-internet days for like young people like believe it or not this was there was no internet or if it did exist you know I, I I wouldn't have had any access to it nobody had computers at home um and so it wasn't really until that sort of age that I had access to books that could teach me or talk about or let me know about the experiences that I was ha was having 
So um, it wasn't it wasn't really until that age that I realized, oh, maybe there's a name for this. But then even then I was in so much denial um, because it's how I'd, you know, got by just I'm an expert mark masker who masked pain, suffering, like hearing voices, seeing shit. I've been really good at not getting in trouble and, you know, trying to just get by. Um, so I think that was the kind of key point was when I started reading and I remember going to my local library and looking up because um, I had this I just had this sort of very strong narrative I was told which sounds I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to get better at like not qualifying myself being like I know this sounds crazy I know this sounds weird like <laughs> it was still a habit that comes all the way from not being able to talk about this even then um, I went to the library, I always had this repeating, um, not even a voice, like just knowledge. I was just told, um, you are a witch. Mm. And when you're six or seven years old and all the witches that you hear about or you encounter in the world are like the evil ones that like boil babies and, you know, are nasty to cats. And I love cats more than I love probably my partner. Like. <laughs> You know, well, don't tell them that, <laughs> although they probably know. Um, but, you know, it was just like, oh, you know, that, that sort of self-demonization and hatred of the self was just so compounded along with everything else that was going on that um, I couldn't, it, it felt almost like, um, you know, a very, very, very bad. I was just a very bad thing or, or person and every engagement that I had in the world whenever I tried to sort of show up as my full self was just very badly received. So yeah, I went into a period of, you know, just true self hatred, I guess, which was very much culturally endorsed and encouraged by my, my parents and, you know, the world. So, um, sorry, I'm taking a very long time to get to the point. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so really yeah, this 15, is all helpful. Okay, yeah. Good, is it? yeah. I mean, truly you're sharing so much and it's like, it, it, we, I mean, I have not heard this story from folks. Like I knew at a young age and I felt this and like, this is a unique story that you're sharing with us. Kate. Thank you, Kristen. And, Thank and you. it's yours and it's a part of your truth and your trajectory. So we appreciate you being however you want to share it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I, I mean, a, a, a sort of pivotal point, I suppose, was whilst in a truly awful abusive relationship with a cis white man, of course, um, which uh, I, I won't bother going into in very much detail, but um, he was the reason that I could escape my house. So I literally left home at 15 and moved in with him. And it was not really frying pan to fire. It was from fire to frying pan. And I kind of knew it was a little bit better, but not much better, but anyway, we, I was at least free from my um, very, you know, ho home. Um, and we were in Glastonbury, which is a town in um, southwest of England. One, one day, we, I felt personally like really fully drawn there. I didn't have any idea why. Again, pre-internet, so I couldn't really, I was like, maybe it's something to do with the festival, but it wasn't. Anyway, we, we went on a, a sort of road trip to this place and it's amazing. It's basically like um, the new age center, I guess, although for the new age, but like the sort of spiritual, I mean, truly though, God, I can't even, um, the spiritual center of England where 
every sort of spiritual denomination, like every form of Christian is there. There's like four different strands of Hinduism. Like, you know, it's really a, a, an amazing place. And the landscape is very sacred and has all this amazing energy there anyway. I just fell in love with it. I'd never felt anything like this. I was like, this is my home. I need to be there. Um, so when we were there, I, I woke up um, from a dream. And in this dream, I had this like very, very strong visualization, this image this, the, in the dream. I had walked down the road in Glastonbury, turned left, gone into a shop, walked up the stairs and was, you know, just like then the dream ended. And I woke up with this sort of deep knowledge that I needed to get a tarot reading. Now, at this point in my life, although I had started to read and learn about alternative sort of spiritual practices and clairvoyance and all this sort of stuff, I had knew nothing about tarot, had never touched a tarot deck. It was banned from my house completely. You know, this was sort of evil. Um, so I was very surprised and I had no money, like really no money. I wasn't, I was working as a waitress illegally because I was 15. Um, I don't know, I like didn't have a pot to piss in as we say in England. And so I was like, where am I gonna get money for this? But okay. So I wake up, I can't even tell you how strong the pull was. So I just had no choice, I, I felt. So I followed the road uh, as I saw it went into found this shop that I had never been in before saw the entrance walked up the stairs and there was a woman there um her name it was June and she she's like oh I've been waiting for you I put the heater on and I'm like okay honey you know that he says to everyone I really was like mm -hmm, okay um and she held the door open for me and I, I walked in and sat down in like what was clearly my chair uh, the chair meant for me like I didn't think you know there's two chairs and I just sat down and um, and then she comes in she's like that's not that's my chair get out of my chair <laughs> and then I was you know embarrassed and then she's like oh but you are you are you are a reader aren't you you're a reader and um, you know this is the sort of thing that you would hear it, it, it's like some shitty film plot but it truly happened and um, then even at this point, I was like, God, this bitch is trying anything like this. So, you know, like I said, what, what else are you going to, you know, because like I had never read a single. I didn't know what a tarot card was. So at this point, I was about as skeptical as you could be, uh, which I'm so sorry, June, because like skeptics are the worst people to read for. And I don't do it anymore. Thank God. Um, anyway, she proceeded to give me a, a, a tarot reading and it was just wild, you know, um, predicted all sorts of things that did go on to happen and were really awful um, and that I would not predict now because I don't want to know anything that can't be changed like don't tell me um, but a lot of it was you know particularly helpful and accurate and powerful and and I left that reading kind of blown away and I immediately went and bought a pack of tarot cards and then that that weekend taught myself I just I felt like I knew them it was very familiar to me so I practiced on friends and then was, you know, as soon as I, as soon, it was like opening a book that I could read. As soon as I started working with the cards, I got all this information, like, like just all, everything that previously had been, you know, I had spent so long just trying to push away and ignoring, 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 just flew in, but it was ordered. Um, it, it's, I suppose, a bit like if you've got ADHD and you start taking meds for the first time, you're like, 
fuck, I'm a genius. You know, whereas before you're like, I love her. Like I, I can function, I can't executive function. It was a it was a bit like that, but like psychically, and um it would take another 30 years before I was on meds mind, so or like 20 years. So you know, that, that kind of combo has only just uh, landed. Um, but yeah, and, and so from there I started, I got huge amounts of information. It was very accurate, it was very specific. And um, and I realized that I could ask and answer. And, and so I started a, a process of developing a relationship with my guides and ultimately a, a huge um, exploration of, of spiritual practice it went through various forms of, you know, initiation in secret um, esoteric mystery schools. I mean, that's the much over the course of, you know, 10 years really. Um, and in the, at the same time became extremely busy as a tarot reader because I just, it was sp spread through word of mouth. So friends told friends. And at, at a certain point, I remember thinking, well, maybe I should start charging money for this. <laughs> because I'm doing it all the time and it's really exhausting. So I started my first tarot reading that I charged money for from a random person for, I charged 10 pounds for one hour. And I was, I remember it so vividly. I was absolutely terrified. I thought I was getting everything wrong. I didn't want to disappoint this person. I just, I really wanted to help this woman. And it was kind of ironic and iconic as well, considering who I am now. But the reading was basically like, dump him but I couldn't bring myself to say it so that I was like well you got the lovers card here which is not great you know and like the hanged man you need to give up something and you know really like trying to piece it together for her in a really simple like spoon-fed way which she did but it, I remember feeling at the end of it like you know really frustrated because I saw exactly what needed to be said and done like within the first 20 seconds but it was my fear and my fear of disappointing her and upsetting her that held it held me back from just giving her what she needed to know so it took such a lot much longer time and worse for her um and yes and basically I start so I so that was a you know the the, the sort of main progress I guess the way in which I got into this sort of work um, and through many trainings very some of which extremely problematic and like <laughs> traumatizing and others just a bit shit um, and then others that were like truly life-alteringly powerful um, I set up practice as I mean over some years really well not that that many years like I pretty much started soon as I got this ability to to, to read the cards um set up as a as a healer initially because I had this idea that that's what good people do is that, that they just they label themselves as healers and um and do that work and they do it as much as they can for as little as money as they possibly can endlessly exhaust themselves by giving and healing because that's your job and you use it's a gift that you must give and and all of that rubbish um and I just was sick you know of course I still had all my various uh disabilities and, and physical ail issues um but just yeah really fully went into the was enveloped I suppose by the new age narrative that um healing is is possible and that healing is 
you know, has, has a, like a result and that result is, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, healing is possible, but not as a, not as a end destination. Um, but I was, you know, I, I constantly been ill and, and suffering. I have a, you know, degenerative genetic uh, disease, which will never go away. Um, and yet I felt like, this was, if I healed enough, I would get like the benefit. I would show myself to be good enough, worthy of my own healing. Um, and I mean, like, yeah, we can talk hours about that, how problematic that narrative is and is it's endemic in the new age. But um, yeah, my reputation grew basically and uh, my prices went up and then I had celebrity clients and then I had people coming from all over the world literally flying into Glastonbury which just doesn't even have a train station they would fly they would fly to London and then get um, a car and I remember being so bemused by these people who I didn't know who they were I was like really again pre-internet this is maybe the internet was around but it wasn't on our phones at this stage I would just be like who's this person I don't know but they got a lot of money and they seem to really want to you know see me so I would just be in my little room above this crystal shop in Glastonbury and the owners of the shop who were fucking awful um basically like I'm trying to think of it like they'll probably listen to this because they kind of listen to everything that I do hi Chris and Lindsay um fuck you uh <laughs> like classic exploitative landlord like for real they took 50% of everything anyway that's insane um, oh this is this is practice that goes on like it's no different to sex work you know you work in a brothel like you will pay your your like the brothel owner a certain percent like I don't know if it's the same but it was in terms of percentage but it, it, it was like that it was so similar apparently one of my closest friends worked in a brothel for years and she was like what you're describing is basically exactly the same thing you, you're just waiting in the room upstairs this was me as a tarot reader um and you know, they'd call your name if they've got a client for you. You don't get to choose the client. You don't get to decide whether you want to see them or not. You're there to perform a service. You do the service and they take a large cut. And then at the end of the day, they tell you how much you've earned. And it was like, it was like, you know, it's just straight exploitation. So these famous people started coming. I didn't know who they were. I didn't care. I mean, I really didn't give a shit. I was fully in the, um, you know, I am, uh, what, what, what was the, one of the phrases that was, um, you know, we were, we were taught to recite before every practice when I mean, there's so many prayers to recite, depending on the, on the mystery school, of course, but one of them is like, a, you know, I'm, I'm a vessel of God, you know, like you, you remove yourself and you just are, it comes from this heavily Christian based spiritual spirituality deeply problematic um and so I, I I really like there wasn't even a part of me that was even interested in who these people particularly were but they were super excited downstairs but I still only got like 50 percent of my you know anyway I left them soon enough set up my own shop one day I realized I was like hang on the rent on this shop is like 350 pounds a month if I'm not paying them you know when you do that math for the first time you're like Oh, landlords so I did that and um moved opened my own space published my first book got more clients more busy prices raised um and then it just sort of went from there really uh, that's that's the that's the brief 30 minute 
<laughs> pricey of it. But um, I still go to Glastonbury's. I feel like people still own the shop. Fuck them still. Uh, but some other schmuck is there doing readings, not me. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for, for sharing that. Because as Tristan and I said, when you sort of uh, paused and were like, this is really long. I mean, I think all of this is so important. And um, I know, you know, we've heard from listeners who really resonate with all, especially like childhood stuff and just how we get to where we are as humans is so important. Even the, the podcast is about entrepreneurship. So um, thank you for just being so generous with that. And what I heard so many times and what you're saying is like agency, like self-determination. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess, at, well, Tristan, before I ask another question, I want to see if you had one. No, no, you're, you're good. You're good. I'm, I mean, this is, I want to hear what you're about to say, but that's what I'm hearing too. This whole, like the whole thing that your parents, your entire like social system around you is telling you not to be who you are and you found your way through to not just being true to who you are and your gifts but also utilizing them fully like that's a I mean yeah Lauren please continue (laughs) yeah well and you touched on this a bit already but I know so much of your work currently and and part of where I first started plugging in with what you do is around money and, and that, you know, being a healing force for the world or someone who's committed to justice doesn't mean that you're taking a vow of poverty, um, that you can be very well paid for that work. And, and I know for a lot of folks in our community, um, you know, there's, you pointed this out in our first reading that I did with you privately over the summer, that that value of justice is such a good thing, but sometimes it gets in the way, or I like conflate it with not thinking I deserve to earn money for what I do. Um, And this has come up a lot with different guests. So I'm curious, um, you know, how, I guess your thoughts about this, how our mindset and conditioning affects what we earn as non-cis men, most of us, um, and any messages that like you want to make sure the people listening here around money. Thank you. Yes. Um, I think you're right that, that we're, we're, we're sort of told, I think, by, by capitalism, but it's not just capitalism. It's the multiple intersecting oppressions of like white supremacy, patriarchy, but Capitalism is the the thing that underpins all of those, of course. Um, We're told that we've got two options. We are either rich capitalists or we're poor anti-capitalists and that's it. And somehow money has just been like assumed as an energy that is like the same as capitalism and it's not. And so I think that's the first thing that I would say is such a radical thought for most people, but like separate out money from capitalism and recognize that capitalism is just a way, a single way of understanding and structuring culture and society has nothing to do really with anything other other than, you know, you can trace it through the history of philosophy to some really poor decisions that some white men made, but really it's it's not money and money a lot of the time in in spiritual self-development world people talk a lot about it like money's energy money's energy yes I agree but like it's not it's not enough to just make that connection and say money is energy it's really important I think there's three three steps that need to be to be taken possibly a fourth which I'll which I'll talk about because I'm excited about um 
in order to liberate oneself as much as is possible from the narrative of like capitalist rich, anti-capitalist poor. And those three steps are first, recognize money is not capitalism. Capitalism is not money. They don't, capitalism doesn't fucking own money. So fuck that, you know, like says who? That's not true. The second is to say, well, yes, money is energy, but that alone, even like it's not, capitalism isn't money, money is energy, that's not enough. One also has to recognize like, who are you? Who are you in this whole dynamic and this whole engagement with the universe? Like, who are you? Well, in my view, I guess it's the best way of putting it. I, my consistent experience and the most powerful way of understanding who I am and my role in, the, in, in, in existence is this thought that every single one of us is a shard of the divine. So we're not the divine completely. We are a tiny, tiny, tiny piece, like infinitesimally small piece. And yet we are a piece of the divine. Like you are Tristan, you are, I am, we all are. And all together, you know, every being that makes up the universe is a, a shard of that divine. Okay, so if I'm, if I am fully the divine, if not, you know, the, 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 the full divine, um, what does that mean? Well, it means that I am completely entitled to myself. Everything that is, the universe is energy and I'm entitled to myself. I am entitled to energy. I'm entitled therefore to money fully and there's no limit to it. It is impossible to limit the universe. So I think you need these three pieces really to start to be able to think, how can I break this spell that I'm under? And I think that capitalism is a, a collection of spells, just as patriarchy is. These are spells that are reaffirmed every time that we use language in a certain way, every time that we have internal dialogue, we're reaffirming these spells. And these are bad magic spells. Um, and so when it comes to changing one's engagement with money and, and you know, it really can't just be done by repeating a mantra like, you know, we see on TikTok or Instagram, I'm not saying they're not valuable, they can be hugely valuable, these sort of, you know, money mantras that people repeat. And if you do it before bed, you'll wake up with some money. Well, maybe, but like, if you want to make a radical long-term change, not just for your life, but for everyone that you have influence in, you need to start changing and challenging the fundamental understandings that you have about how the universe works and what the fuck's happening here and who you are in it. And for me, leads me to the sort of fourth piece, a big shift occurred when, you know, I, I, we all struggle to know deeply, like that we are the divine, that we're entitled to ourselves, therefore we're entitled to full money. I struggle with it, why? Because I live in, in, a, in, in a culture and a community and a whole universe that is telling us the absolute opposite in all ways, constantly, all the time. So something that really helped me was to, to really examine, and I have to give credit where this is due, this didn't, this, this was given to me, I guess, like conveyed to me in, in a meditation by my, one of my guides. Um, one of the things that really helped me was to think of like, okay, so if I, if I feel and have felt for so many years, so uncomfortable around money that I'm not entitled to it, that it's something that's like icky or dirty or like it sullies things you know because that's how we're taught particularly in like the healing personal development world and if we have you know an interest in justice we shouldn't be focused on money like if, if if I have this 
resistance to money or I feel like it's not for me or and I've been taught that I should reject it and I have been taught that I shouldn't desire it and I shouldn't want it let's have a look at that thing like what is it about money that I feel like a genuine repulsion around it and it was really simple for me I was like oh it's it's cis it's white and it's male like actually when I think of money what are the characteristics well I find it in the past I found it to be unsafe I found it to be something that was not for me it was something that I only could you know pass along you know like I would have temporarily and then I would put it aside and you know it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't me it was not me and so I in this meditation it was shown to me well that's all wrong like and also the way to just transfer just just totally turn that on its head so um to con what was shown to me was to conceive of money as a being so I think I'm such an animist I think that everything has being I mean I really do think everything is a being and has, has has an energy and a spirit and I engage with the world as such but I wasn't doing that with money until this point and so they showed to me conceive of money as a, a femme conceive of money as a woman and worship her as a woman and start taking ownership over and responsibility for her well-being as if she were your sister and then start thinking of patriarchy and start thinking of these men that have all this money do you want you know she's basically been taken hostage by capitalism she has been taken hostage by these rich men like that's not fucking right you have a responsibility to collect as much of this woman energy I don't I'm so resistant to like these gendered terms of feminine energy but here I think it is actually really powerfully helpful because it can be you know it's like nothing is as effective at like knocking something back when we live in a binarized world which is bullshit um as like well you think money's male fuck you actually let's make it the most high femme version in the whole fucking world I was like money is like me and, and then this piece clicked and I was like, fuck you all, I'm taking it, it's mine. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think, I think that that is, that is something that really can be, it, you know, when you really internalize that and do the work to, to, to really start thinking of money as a high femme, then you're like, oh God. Because I, 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 you know, one of the kind of grounding practice, foundational practices of my life is, is fully assume solidarity with all women like immediately it doesn't matter whatever the hell's going on like I assume solidarity with women and so that in combination with thinking of money as a woman I'm like oh no this is oh, I, I gotta help you out here like here it's safe in my bank account you don't want to be you know because you will be used for ill by them so that was a big a big piece um for me. I also think another thing that I think is very important is to, you know, really recognize where these stories that we're told about, you know, who, about deserving and who deserves money, where the hell's that coming from? Because most of us don't do the work to do that. Most of us don't, and I was guilty of this for most of my life, don't actually question those stories. We just go, oh yeah, you're right. No, I don't deserve it. Like I did this for so long. You know, somebody would give me a, a tip, which was sort of unheard of until I started working for Americans. Uh, you know, American client would give me a tip and I'd be like, oh no, that's like the worst thing you could possibly do to me. Like I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't, I, I, I you know, I, it, you know, because it, it, 
was just so, you know, it, it didn't fit with the story that I had about myself, which was that I'm just here to serve, you know, um, that's my purpose is to heal others. And, and here we've got somebody like trying to give me, so, you know, if I could have, you know, worked for nothing, I'd have worked for nothing. But unfortunately, I had bills to pay, you know. Um, but where does that come from? Who's telling you that story? Well, it's just, sorry, but it's really boring. It's just straight up patriarchy. Like whose labor is valued? Well, it's not women. Uh, oh, fuck, you know. And then you look at the whole, the, the major sites of oppression, of, of gendered oppression, and it is <laughs> sex work, abortion, and money, and payment, and cleaning. Like, so who, who, are, who are like the most oppressed people in this, in this world? Well, trans women, trans women that are sex workers. Well, why is that? What's the most, like, worst thing you could possibly do as a woman in this culture, have an abortion? Well, why? Because these are things that we're taught, women and people that are able to have children, oh, to culture and society for free. Well, who fucking said that? You know, so I think it's like, yeah, it becomes really powerful to start making these connections and then just be like, oh my God, I absolutely reject that. I completely reject that. Why the fuck is this? You know, like I have a lawyer who I was recently having a conversation with over something and this fucker charges, I don't know, what, 600 pound an hour. He has less years of education than me. He doesn't have a PhD from Oxford. Like motherfucker doesn't have a question of how much he should charge an hour. And I, you know, is he worth it? Probably not. But nobody dares uh, like question that yeah. for a split second. And I and I I get like so much shit every time that I post about my prices. I'll get some fucker telling me that it's outrageous that I'm charging what I'm. I charge I charge I think the same amount. <laughs> but like. <laughs> The point, the point is that there are people in this culture and it's not just about like their gender, it is certain work is gender. So even if you are a, a cis white man doing the work that I do, which nobody could do, but like, let's say they do a similar sort of work, they would, they would have a hard time charging what I charge because the nature of the work is women's work, right? Just like, it doesn't matter if you're a babysitter, if you're a man or you're a cleaner, you're a man, you probably get easier time charging a little bit more because your gender gives you that privilege. But ultimately the work is considered women's work and all of women's work is historically, since we have patriarchy, being considered to be free, absolutely of no value. Like it's essential to the creation of everything, but you never pay for it. Hell no, that's what you get for free. Like men are entitled to this. The world is entitled to your labor for free. Well, that is just not true. So, yeah, sorry, I can talk about this for hours. No, it's so good. I'm seeing Tristan not a lot. I love it. I'm having so many thoughts, like so many. I don't even know where to start with expressing them. I can't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I'm thinking about, you know, at, at least in the States, you know, we severely underpay teachers, nurses, like they have shitty benefits. A lot of times they're not allowed to unionize. Like, yeah, the the gendered nature of like different work that people do is so strong. And I, I really hope that anyone listening who considers themselves like a healer or in, in any way like of service in that way really, really takes in what you're saying. Because I know it can be confronting. Like when I first heard you use the word entitled about money, I was like, wait, am I entitled to money? Is that allowed? Like it, the conditioning is so strong and it there's 
there's something that happens where it doesn't feel safe almost. Um, right. Like we've been taught it's not safe to consider ourselves entitled to money if, unless but, we're but you're, but you're a bad person if you, yeah. if you work towards that or if you feel that in your being, yeah. Yeah. I think the word entitlement is the problem there because we have this idea, you know, when, when certainly for me, when I, when I think of the word entitlement, it brings up abuse of power. Like really that's what it sort of equals for most people is a sort of shortcut because we think of like male entitlement to space, to bodies, to time, to money. And so we don't want to be associated with that. We don't want to, we're not entitled to any, because entitlement means in that context, taking away from others. But true entitlement in the spiritual sense of it being, and I was going to say birthright, but I don't want to even use that term because of Zionists over, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, but we have a, a, a sort of ontological entitlement uh, to everything. And it doesn't, and, and the, the incredible and important point here is that the universe is infinite. And so my entitlement to everything does not diminish your entitlement to everything. And so when we're using that word entitlement, it's so important to retrain ourselves and say, okay, male entitlement, that's talking about, you know, it's fundamentally based on an understanding of the world that is limited, that is finite. And so if I'm entitled to everything, it means that no one else is. Uh, but I'm not, that, that is not my experience of the universe at all. That is not how the universe is. There is no, you know, finite end to anything. And the irony with money is it's literally infinite because it's not real, guys. <laughs> you know, like, well, I had to break it to you, but like, the, the, the dollar isn't even connected to the fucking gold standard. Like it's literally not real. So I assure you, you are a hundred percent entitled to every single bit of that ma imaginary makeup made up shit, like go for it. Um, but, but this is why it's important. I think to have, I really think it's so important to have an, a, a sort of good solid understanding of, I mean, I was gonna say the history of philosophy, that sounds too in depth, but like, I do think that it is it's so important to educate oneself and find out about like where, the way in which we're encouraged to understand how the universe works, like basic metaphysics in philosophical terms. Like this is what we are experiencing. We're talking about it only being two or 300 years old. Like before that was a different way of thinking like how the universe existed. And so although it's only within, you know, two or three generations, maybe four generations of our like families that we've been taught that, you know, the earth is, is round and, you know, the, the, it's changing all the time. You get to choose really like what concept of how of the universe you want to live according to. And pa pa patriarchy and capitalism particularly will have you believe that there is only, you know, like the, I mean, God, America is just such a garbage can fire at the moment, has always been, of course, but like you guys are really experiencing the, the sort of uh, peak of, of, of everything that's so wrong with this sort of extreme version of capitalism. But, you know, uh, actual true capitalists, and I have known a few who, you know, are heads of banks heads of countries you know do they think that the the amount of money in the world is is finite no they just teach us that 
They don't fucking think that. They know that everything's infinite. This is just a big old spell that's being cast very successfully. And we just keep on repeating it, you know. So, yeah, entitlement, though, I think that's, the, that's why it feels uncomfortable is because we associate it with the taking from others. But if we take seriously this idea that, you know, the universe is infinite, money isn't real, I'm fully entitled to everything, and that does not diminish your entitlement to everything, then go forth and claim and Kate has a money e-course if anyone is listening and it's like uh, yes I this. do yeah nice. in the show notes um because I know yeah like it and it because of the conditioning like it does take a while of kind of like what I, I love that you're describing um capitalism as a spell or like white supremacy as a spell it's like because we're repeating it it's deepening mm-hmm. those grooves in our brains and so like just as that's a spell, like we can cast one in the other direction. And that's what right. that course is really helpful for. So. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. I, I forget about, I don't even think about the products that I have because it, <laughs> but yeah, like this is, that's bad, isn't it? But um, yeah, the, the, the spiritual money upgrade is I just re-recorded uh, a new video for it. Actually, it's it, it, this, I created that, I think over a year ago, maybe two years ago, um, because I felt so frustrated that every person that I was encountering you know, I'm so sick of seeing women poor. I'm so fucking sick of seeing women poor and there's no fucking reason for it. Like actually, and, and I'm not saying that it's, this is, I also have to say, it is not as straightforward for someone who is not white, who is not cis, who is not able-bodied to, you know, transform that spell. Why? Because we've got all these other spells on top of them, which are very materially real. Like it's not just, not for one second claiming an idealist position which is like everything's in your mind you just got to think better thoughts and you'll be rich that's bullshit um but it is possible it is absolutely fundamentally possible to make radical changes to your material reality through certain practices and the recognition of certain beliefs and rejecting those beliefs and re uh, you know, what's the word, putting in better beliefs, changing those beliefs, re- replacing those beliefs. And that's what the spiritual money upgrade does is I basically teach you how to identify what the primary stories are that are running, that what, what's, the, what's the major spell that you are under, you will be able to identify it, weed it out, and then replace it with much more powerful ones. And it's incredible the changes that people have with this, it still makes, I think it's one of my, I don't know, I just, I feel so proud of it because it, it you know and it's not just um for 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 you know women although um that it will always be my, my my sort of the people that I create the products for um because that's my experience of living and they are often the people that are most depressed but like everyone that does this program radical shifts if you do the work it's not like you watch it once sit back don't do shit and it's going to change that won't happen I'm not making a tiktok version of that either you know what I mean like that's bullshit you've got to do the work but doing the work literally means really sitting down and feeling like you were saying Lauren that confrontation and that resistance and that sense of like what the fuck is she talking about like you know a lot of people when they do this program you know quite get quite aggressive response um that's why it's digital I got nothing to do with it I'm not there (laughs) I'm like okay uh at first because it it is meant to trigger these deep beliefs which at the core of your being you know are not right so it brings up you know a lot of stuff and and it makes you angry and then you realize how fucking long you've been living this bullshit lie 
And so I always give it a warning, like you're going to find out you've been running some really fucked up stories for a long time. But once you know that they're there, you can start, it's a bit like, you know, like pulling out the thread of, you know, of, of I, I knit a lot. Actually, I don't, that's such a lie. I started to, and then I give up. Um, but you know, when you've got like the thread of something, you want to pull it out. It's like that. It's tricky and you have to, un, you know, feels like there's work to do. But if you do it, you will, you will, you will make money. And it's so cheap. I think it's like, I want to make it as cheap as I can by still, while still honoring the, the work, the work that, hours of work that went into it. Um, I think it's 97 pounds or 97 dollars, which um, if you, if you do it, we'll, um, yeah, you'll make that infinitely more times over. And we have so many amazing testimonials. I have a, also, we have a whole app where there's a whole section on the app that's just for the community of people that are doing that work. Anyway. I can attest it's awesome. <laughs> um, I do have one more question, but Tristan, I want to see. No, you go, you go. Okay. Um, Cause I, one thing that I am really fascinated by is how people have brought their businesses online during COVID, but you were pretty much all online anyway before, correct? Yes. Um, So I'm wondering like how, as you made that transition from doing these readings in Glastonbury (laughs) to, um, you know, now being this like online person completely with all of your offerings, um, who, like, are there certain teachers or mentors or coaches who you worked with that, or, or, or even just moments or pieces of information that came to you that clicked with how you wanted to structure your business? Because I know that that's something a lot of people are challenged yeah. right now. Um, so, you know, one of the things I would say that's hugely, hugely benefited me about what who, who I am in the world, I, I always resist talking about like what I can do as a gift because it's always been like, actually, this is bullshit. I don't want it. Um, but one of the benefits of, of being who I am, I guess, is having this really good foresight. Like I knew that everything was going online at least four or five years before it did. And so I was able to pivot my business in that direction. Um, and I think that for me, it, you know, it might, well, there's two things to say. One, I'm actually creating something at the moment that is literally targeted. I'm, I'm creating a program that is targeted at people who, and, and women particularly, um, that are readers, tarot readers, psychics, but mainly face-to-face to help them move their business online. Because in answer to your question, there is about a thousand million mistakes to be made and they are very costly. And where do you even fucking begin if you haven't, done it and you don't know I moved my business entirely it was entirely face-to-face I didn't even do telephone readings like in in the training and the practice that I was brought up with the spiritual traditions that I was in the mystery traditions everything is about in-person energy everything is about reading like with your hands I was trained how to do everything using using my body with this really faulty um thought that that was somehow easier or stronger or only possible that way whereas actually and this is where like you know a decade of academic education in in academic philosophy helps when you actually examine the philosophy of the concept behind that you're like hang on guys and this energy (laughs) like uh (laughs) we're not materialists here like what's happening 
and and so I I started to think okay well if I can do this in person let's see can I do it you know but I, I literally would refuse this is why people would fly from New York to London to come and see me not because they didn't they wanted to see me in person but because this bitch wouldn't do it I was like I can only do it in person I can only see you when we're face to face and I can like I was trained that you can't even people have to take their glasses off so there's no I mean absolutely ridiculous um and yet that's how I was so to sort of let you know that was I really did have a you know very thriving very busy practice that was entirely in person and anyway had this very strong push from my spiritual guides I gotta say when I was uh, uh, thinking about like which teachers could I, I, I I've been extremely fortunate and unfortunate the people that have given me the most and taught me the most in terms of my spiritual practice have not been spiritual teachers as such they have been just very very like uh unassuming very kind ordinary powerful women that I've encountered throughout my life I've never had a spiritual teacher that wasn't extremely fucking problematic in one way or the other um, <laughs> I really haven't they're all just a fucking mess um I mean tell me if I'm wrong if you found one that's not me <laughs> I'm sort of joking um but but also but also not because I actually think this is like a genuine legit problem like you can find people that are that have years and years of training and experience in in spiritual practice but they haven't problematized a lot of what they've learned and that's a problem and you can find a lot of people that are really excellent in you know business and you know being in the online world and digital marketing and all of that but then they, they don't they don't get the like importance and the meaning or whatever anyway um so what was I saying yes so I moved I, I most of my spiritual teachers have been non-material they have been with me since I was born and pushed me in very uncomfortable positions and give me information and one of the pieces of information was bitch you gotta get online and like five six years ago um so so I so I did um and it, it is let me tell you, if you are a, uh, somebody that's doing in-person anything, anything at all, um, you can do it online and it will be quicker and it will be easier and it will be faster and it will be way more efficient. And, you know, like literally anything, I was just about to be like, apart from sex maybe, but even sex, like I can't think of anything that's, I'm not saying it's gonna be as good um, necessarily everything. I don't know. Sometimes it depends, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, I, I think that um, the ma the main things I would say is don't examine any resistance that you have to moving your business online. Examine that resistance. Where is that coming from? And what are the stories underpinning it? Um, and most of the time, there will be some story hidden in there that says, um, you know, that 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 you, you know, or even. Lauren, you and I have spoken about this, the distinction between like making your time accessible versus your work, right? Like that's a really important thing. The amazing thing about working online is it's actually significantly more accessible for significantly more people. And so if you've got resistance to it, ask yourself if part of that is that you kind of want to hold on to the belief that your personal in the person energy is just so amazing and powerful that they got to have it. Because I was definitely holding on to that. And actually, that's just bullshit. Um, you know, and, and I think, I mean, this isn't exactly a prediction. Online is the future, guys. But 
uh, clearly, it literally is. And think of all the, like accessibility yeah. is what I would say, accessibility, accessibility, it's so major, so major. Like for me, I, I, you know, there's so much more that I can access as a disabled person, physically disabled person here um, now than I could ever have, ever have five years ago, 10 years ago. And you can create something online and sell it a million times and you've just created it once. Um, and it's not diminished in its value. This is the thing, everything comes back to this concept that we have been taught that the, the, inf that the universe is finite, that energy is finite, that intention is finite, that love is finite. Like what the hell is monogamy? What are you saying? I can't love to, well, that's a load of shit. Why? Because we've got this finite idea or, or like everything's just sort of limited and it's, you've got two choices, right? You're a man or you're a woman, you're in love or you're not. Like what a load of shit. Well, this is the same, I think, when we come to like digital creating, like if I make something with strong integrity in power and I am able to capture it digitally, then do, you, does, do we think for a minute that the first person that watches it is going to get the full power of it, but the thousandth won't get a bit? No, it's not how energy works. So move everything online. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I got to say. I'm just hearing like an expansiveness to how you approach everything. Um, very much appreciated. Um, well, I know that we're at time um, and I'm curious. So Tristan, is there anything that- No, I'm loving just sitting here yeah. listening and nodding and having my mind blown multiple times in different directions. I know, right? Yeah. I told you, I told you. Um, well, Kate, before we let you go, is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners? Um, anything you have coming up or just really anything you want to you wanna say? Thank you. Um, yeah, I suppose the, the only thing I ever want to share is if you feel like, you know, you resonate with these ideas, I'm always looking for more people, the right people to apply to join the Spiritual Life Upgrade, which is my 12 month mentorship. So um, what's the word? I don't, I, it's so difficult to articulate. Like I'm so selective about who I invite in, but like, you know, Lauren, cause you're in it. It's such an incredible space that you can't afford to just be like, oh, we'll give you a go if you're right or fit. No, it doesn't work like that. Like, but at the same time, it's my job to like almost shine. And this is, this is, I think the thing about going back to the online digital marketing and moving businesses online, I think as, and I don't, I wouldn't describe myself as an entrepreneur, although obviously I am, but um, I think this is the thing about having a company or companies or a product it is your responsibility, I think, to let people who need your services know that you exist. Mm -hmm. And I think about this all the time, every time that any resistance to like selling pops up, I don't sell, I'm inviting. And so I always make a point of, you know, saying, I will only ever work with people who I know for a sure fact I can help transform their lives. I can support them to transport them, transform their own lives. And that is available. My, you know, mentorship is available. And if you feel like a pull or you're excited or interested by anything that I say, it's also not the only way to work with me or get access to my work. I have a whole collection of free resources, um, free to people that are not white and people that are not cis and also to sex workers. Just recently created last week a um, pretty amazing um, digital download 
pack. It's called Protection Against the Patriarchy and Hex the Patriarchy Pack. It's so good. I am so, it's one of my, like, I love it. These are my tried and true spells. Um, I think it's 20 pounds to uh, cis white people that are not sex workers. All the money for that actually goes to SWARM, which is a sex worker activism and resistance collective. Um, but there, there are multiple ways in which we can work together. Follow me on my Instagram. I think I've just started a TikTok, I think, because like, I think Ames is my partner is obsessed with TikTok. And they're like, you gotta get on TikTok. You gotta get on TikTok. So I think we've got a TikTok. Um, maybe by the time this is out, I'll, I'll have thousands, hundreds of thousands of TikTok followers. It's mainly just gonna be three-legged cat videos, I guess. Um, I have a lot of three-legged cats. We got them when they had three legs. I always want to clarify that. I don't have them <laughs> That's important. <laughs> Somebody asked me that. They're like, do you collect three-legged? Do you like, no. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was really dark. Um, uh, and yes, Instagram, there's a lot of, there's also the money man. If, if, you, if you feel pulled or excited by anything, there's so many different ways in which we can engage together. Um, and ultimately, yeah, if you're right for the spiritual life upgrade, It'll change your fucking life. And um, you can have a 10 minute chat with me to see if you're a good fit. You know, that's it, really. Oh, thank you, Kate. This was such a gift of a conversation, truly. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you, that's really kind. I really enjoyed myself. Yeah, well, again, we were so glad to have you here. And I, I know that this is gonna blow some other minds besides just ours. So um, thank you. And yeah, we'll link to all of the things in the show notes. And um, yeah, I hope everyone just stays in touch and stays in tune because this shit is really important and we need it right now. So yeah, yeah for real. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you. All the Fuck In is independently produced by your hosts, Tristan Katz and Lauren Roberts. To help us keep bringing you new episodes on all things social justice and entrepreneurship, you can donate over on our website at alltfnpodcast.com. That's A-L-L-T-F-I-N podcast.com. Your donation supports original content that promotes social justice and individual and collective change. A portion of our proceeds benefits a radical organization of our choosing each month. Any amount is helpful and greatly appreciated. Death, 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 death